At a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is Invest Talk, independent thinking, shared success. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, February 28th, 2024 edition. February is typically closed now. This is the 28th, but we are in a leap year, so we do have one more trading day before we head into March. And guess what? Daylight savings time is just around the corner. So winter, the winter months are fast ending. And uh, spring is around the corner. And we often see market turns in these time periods. Uh, and I will be frank. I'm seeing a lot of euphoria out there, peak greed in many instances. So I just want to give you that heads up. But that's kind of the short term. What we're focused on is the long term, not just with your investments, but your mindset, your thinking, your knowledge, knowledge that can take you not just into tomorrow, but into the next year, the next decade and beyond. And we do this by giving a mix of educational and actual material so that you can take that back to your personal situation and make good decisions with your money. So we're going to look at the market performance for today, run down some show topics, as well as answer our first caller question now. Hey, Steve and Justin. Love the show. I've been listening for years. It's been very informative. I have a question about waste management. WM. It's been a pretty solid non-cyclical industrial that I'd like to add, but it seems a little expensive. Can you give me an entry point on this? Thanks so much. I'll listen on the podcast. All right, looking at waste management, and this is in the waste business, right? It's uh, it's we pay uh, waste management here. They pick up our our trash, and it has rallied pretty dramatically especially for a name that, you know, isn't very exciting. Most people don't get excited by investing in trash, but this is the name that's gone from 150 back in October, all the way to 207 and change today. And you're right. It is very expensive. Our value is much lower, much closer to that 150 level than where it is today. So yeah, that's simple. 150. That's my entry point. It's very overbought. A lot of things in the market are, uh, but 150 is that number where I would get uh, interested again. Thanks for the call. Now, we have a lot of ground to cover over the next 45 minutes or so. Time permitting, we're going to touch on all of it. Our main focus is about Amazon and joining the Dow, and there's some lessons about how the Dow is constructed, what this might mean for stocks that are being removed from the Dow and those that are being added. Hint, it's not 
as straightforward as you would imagine. So we're going to look at the Dow Jones Industrial Average Index and Amazon stock being added to that. We're also going to touch a bit on Realtors, the National Association of Realtors just recently lost a multi-billion dollar verdict in Kansas, sorry, Kansas City. And there are more lawsuits around the country coming. So could this be the end of the realtor? I'll give you a little background there. I personally, I have my real estate license. I only use it for personal reasons. Uh, that's why I have it. Uh, and to educate our clients and listeners like you. Uh, but I always thought the industry was, eh, it's a little shady. Uh, and frankly, the National Association of Realtors is right up there uh, near the top. And these lawsuits are kind of uncovering a lot of price fixing on commissions. And so there could be major changes coming. So we're going to look at that and help you unpack how to think about buying and selling homes going into the future as the commission structures are likely to change. Also, CEOs are still raising prices, but at a more tepid level than they were a year ago. So we're going to look at those numbers from a recent CEO survey. And then lastly, China metal demand. Now, during the boom in real estate, they were buying a lot of steel, and we know their real estate market is, I guess we could say, crashing in many ways. But that does not mean that they're, they're not, they're, they've stopped consuming metals. It's just kind of a shift in the type of metals that they are consuming. So we're going to look at that data as well. We're also going to touch on a voice bank question about a KPP portfolio review. I'll be interested to hear what that has to say. And Pfizer. And of course, your finance and investment questions are top of mind. So we're going to a short break. On the other side, we'll talk about today's market activity. But remember, you can call anytime and leave your question on the Talk Voice Bank. If you're listening via our live stream or on AM 1220 radio in the Silicon Valley area, you can call right now at 888-99-CHART. Talk callers make each podcast unique. I was calling about Intel, if it's worth holding on to, or should I sell it? Their questions are curious. Hello, I had saved up around $80,000, and I was wondering what I should do to make it grow. Careful. Oh, I'm just wondering, is this a value trap? Because it looks like it's gone down quite a bit. Concerned. Uh, it's taken quite the tumble today. I've been trying to get out of this position for a while. I think I waited too long. And clever. This seem to be situated in some areas of expanding population. And Justin Klein, Steve Peasley, and now Luke Guerrero are always ready with their unbiased answers. And this is, it looks like a classic example of chasing yield. Don't chase the yield. Next 12 months price to earnings is around 30. I just don't see it at this price. Don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. In today's market, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance because it can help you achieve financial freedom. Well, you've come to the right place. Invest Talk. 
888-99-CHART. Now let's take a look at the market performance for today. It was a mixed day, but mostly down. You had the broad U.S. market down about 0.17%. It was fairly mixed. Let me see. Were the big any big gainers? No. No real. We, we had a couple uh, in our portfolio, big gainers, but uh, no real big move, movers that were uh, lar- larger cap names. Let's just say that. Uh, let's see. The biggest loser I saw was Boston Beer, Sam. Uh, they've struggled for for a while uh, with really a collapse in their market share for seltzer. Um, so that was down 15% today. But kind of a mixed bag as we head into the most important day of the week when it comes to economic news. That's tomorrow. And that is the PCE indicator that will inform the Fed on what the inflation outlook is is, is looking like as well as you have Kansas City Manufacturing Production Index that will show you what the manufacturing index, if it's improving from the negative territory it's been for for a while. You also have pending home sales. So we know home sales tend to lead to economic activity because of commissions, new furniture, uh, hiring people to help move, fixing things in these homes to get them ready for uh, completion of sale, et cetera. So these are all things that tend to move the economy. So uh, that'll be interesting. I also have initial claims for unemployment tomorrow, and I think that's what—that's why, excuse me, the markets overall uh, didn't move much today. I did see a lot of waning momentum in some of the bigger tech names. Nvidia, for example, is down ten bucks. Uh, you had Adobe that's starting to enter a downtrend, even though there's a lot of fervor around big tech and AI. Uh, that has already started to roll over. Google as well. Uh, I think Google has potential falling out of bed. There is increasing evidence that AI uh, is going to replace a lot of the search queries that typically went to Google. And that could mean less eyeballs, less people uh, clicking on their ads, etc. So I think that's uh, something to be watch out for that could uh, impact not just Google, but the broad market because Google is such a large part of the index. Now let's play another listener question from 888-99-CHART. Good morning. This is Duncan from New York. Thank you for all that you do. I have a question on your services. If we get a portfolio review and we still have a lot more questions, is there still a possibility where we can pay for the hour? I'm sure that would probably help a lot of listeners for other options, but just curious about that. Looking forward to the answer and have a great day. Bye. Uh, great question. Uh, but the answer is no, that's not, that's not something we do. I do answer questions from time to time uh, where people email directly and I just shoot them an email back. That is something I, t- I, d- I do uh, just as a, a nicety for, uh, for listeners and a thank you uh, to, to, to listeners. But um, no, you know, we charge to manage full accounts, quarterly basis, um, and build financial plans, do all the things that kind of usher our clients towards financial freedom and their financial goals. And so, you know, we're a, a full suite financial advisor and full service, shall we say, uh, finance, financial advisor. And if that's what you want, what clients want, that's great. If they 
you know, want just kind of one-off advice. We'll give that every once in a while, but uh, there are other advisors out there that will charge kind of a, a flat fee. I don't know any that are good, but you know, maybe you find one that is. Okay. Thanks for the call though. Thanks for the question. Now my main focus point today concerns this question. Why has Amazon joined the Dow? And the simple answer is because the members that uh, vote on who should be in the Dow picked him and they just dropped Walgreens Boots Alliance. Big reason is because Walgreens has been struggling under the weight of a lot of debt. So they need to be replaced and Amazon being uh, a bellwether. One of the few tech names that aren't in the Dow, a few large tech names that aren't in the Dow, uh, they added them. Now, Amazon is considered actually consumer, consumer cyclical because most of its business is right, retail. Uh, but it's kind of a mixed bag, especially these large tech names. They have a lot of feet in different fires. And so... Uh, while it's a consumer cyclical, it's really adding more tech to the Dow. Now, the first thing you have to understand about this is that the Dow, it's only 30 names and it's price weighted. As opposed to the S&P, it's 500 names. Actually, I don't know if you know this, but it's actually not 500 names. It's close. It's, it, it usually is around 496, 496, 497 names. They add and subtract and it's not always exactly the same number, but it's around 500. And it's price, sorry, it's, it's a market cap weighted, whereas the Dow is price cap weighted, which means that if a company does a split, it's actually weighting in the Dow goes down. So really Dow, the Dow is calculated in a very, very flawed way. That's why, while it's the biggest number and you might see it on the nightly news, it's a terrible index really to follow. It's not a very good representation of the American stock market. The S&P is much better. In fact, I would argue the Russell 3000 is the best. 3000 names, much more diversified, much broader and balanced representation of the market. Now, not perfect, but better than the S&P. So if you're going to give me, you know, if you're going to say, and that's what we talk to our clients, you know, they say, oh, the S&P, well, the Russell 3000 is a better representation there. Now, the Dow is... First off, trying to pick catch up, typically industrial heavy. And as the economies come more focused on tech, they've dropped more industrial names and added more tech names. They don't have NVIDIA or Alphabet, but Salesforce, Microsoft, Apple, and now Amazon are in there. And probably another reason is that the Dow has lagged the S&P lately because the S&P is so tech focused. Now, this strikes me as reactionary, like a lot of people are right now, chasing those sexy names. But it also shows you that is indexing really indexing when these names change out so regularly? It's really an active fund because there, is, there are decision makers behind the scenes adding positions and taking out positions just like they will in an active fund. So just wanted to, to highlight that and give you, oh, oh and one, one, one uh, quick thing. Typically after uh, the stocks at, that leave the index underperform, or sorry, outperform and the stocks are added to the index outperform in the short term. All right, we're going to a break. Give me a call at 888-99-CHART. 
Every investor is working to build a secure financial future. How they get there and when they get there, that depends on many variables. The more you learn about how the market works, the better your chances. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to John, I'm sorry, we're going to Chris in Maine. He wants to talk about the Japanese stock market. Yeah, hey, Justin, thanks for taking my call. Appreciate all that you guys do. Um, I was calling, I know over the past few months, I've heard you mention a couple times just in passing um, how they've been really improving um, their stock market overall um, over the past couple years, really, from, you know, decades of lows. Um, and then it's no secret that uh, Buffer, in his recent letter to uh, all his investors, uh, he seemed pretty optimistic on him, but it's really rallied. So I was calling to see, uh, get your opinion if you think uh, this rally could continue for a while or if more of a it's a wait for a pullback at this point. Uh, Sumitomo, S-S-U-M-Y, is one of the stocks I've been looking at over there, but more just the market in general as well. Yeah, Japan has certainly certainly resurged, uh, and a lot of that is um, corporate reform. You know, they they were the China before China, and they had a real estate boom and a bust, kind of like China is going through right now, uh, and a demographic demise, like China is going through right now. Now, it's definitely different in some ways. Obviously, it's a democracy. It, uh, it's a series of islands, uh, different, uh, different, uh, different customs than, than China has. But uh, in many ways, they're more innovative. They were smart to diversify their businesses away from uh, manufacturing in China because they knew they didn't have the people. So that's why you have a lot of Honda and Toyota manufacturing plants set up here in America. Uh, and from a political standpoint, they've kind of tied their hands to to uh, to America as well. So all of that, I think, is is good. Is is they, they've done a lot of smart things, um, and they've reformed some issues that were left over from that period. Uh, they did a lot of bad things back then by merging ba- bad banks with good banks and making meh banks, right? Not writing off bad assets and things like that, but. You know, we're 30 plus years on and a lot of that has healed with time. And so I think there is more runway longer term. However, near term, especially when you start to see articles written about it, you typically are get it. It's 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 ready for pullback. Uh, and so I would be patient on it. I have no problem with Sumitomo, uh, a very large conglomerate there. Um, but it is overbought, and I would uh, wait for a pullback. Thanks for the call. Great. Thank you for your advice. No problem. Let's go to John in Milpitas, looking at BMRC, which is a very small cap bank, Bank of Marin, Bank of Marin County, I believe. And this is not doing so hot. Do you own it or looking to buy it? I'm looking to buy it. I would like to ask your thought about it. It's a good uh, entry, and they have good dividend too. Okay. First off, Thank what you makes you, what makes you want to buy? Is is it just the dividend? 
It's just the dividend. Okay. Well, let me take you to another company, another small bank like this, New York City Bancorp. And guess what? They had a very large dividend before they had bad earnings. And the stock fell from $10. Now it's at $4.54. So what you have to do here is realize you're chasing yield and it's very, very high risk, especially with technicals. Technicals are terrible. The market is sending a signal that this dividend is likely to be cut. Just like New York City Bancorp. So I actually think this is kind of a good short. I've said many times over the past months, small banks are not where you want to be. There's going to be a lot of consolidation. And usually, and consolidation not on positive terms, in terms that are similar to New York City Bancorp, who, look what they did. They bought another small bank and that messed up their balance sheet. And a lot of these small banks have a lot of commercial real estate exposure. So why I, I often say, don't chase yield, that is multiplied by 10 times in these small banks. So absolutely not. Now, if you want to short it, that's another question. I actually think this is a pretty good short. The market's telling you a lot with what the dividend yield is and the technicals, which are atrocious, atrocious. There we go. Thanks for the call. Now on the next invest talk, we'll look into this topic. More than ever, stock investors are thinking like owners. And there are two ways for investors to affect corporate behavior from the outside and from the inside. And we'll discuss that story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your calls at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Invest Talk. Please tell your friends and family members that they can download our weekday podcast for free anytime at investtalk.com or iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And when you download and listen, please be sure to rate our podcasts. Our anytime listener line is open, 888-99-CHART. 
8899 chart, 8899 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now, let's touch a bit on realtors. And there was a recent verdict in October in Kansas City. And it delivered a $1.8 billion verdict, finding that the industry kept home sales fees artificially high. And there are dozens of copycat lawsuits around the country. And dozens of real estate brokerages are now defendants. And regulators are also increasing scrutiny. And it's pretty clear that the industry is headed for some big changes. One possible change is that sellers no longer decide upfront buyer's agent fees. So, for example, instead of just the seller negotiating the buyer and seller commission, right, buyer agent, seller agent commission, the seller negotiates their commission and the buyer negotiates their commission with their client, which makes sense, right? Because when a seller only offers, say, 2% to the buyer agent, the the buyer agent doesn't have a lot of incentive to show that property when other properties are offering 25 or 3%. But the buyer has no control over that, even though that property might be the best property for that buyer. Now, the typical commission is about 5 to 6% of the purchase price, which is one of the highest in the world. And this change could push a lot of agents out of the industry, reduce the National Association's uh, of Realtors' size and lobbying power. And frankly, this could end the National Association of Realtors. I don't know if you know this, but... If anyone calls themselves a realtor, they are a member of the NAR. You can't call yourself a realtor unless you pay dues to the NAR. And you're already in a housing market environment where there's not a lot of sales. And the NAR has 1.5 million members, and it's the largest trade organization in the nation. It's been around for 116 years, but it's had a shoddy history. And frankly, it's gotten arrogant and complacent. Now, in the 1970s, the industry stopped recommending fees after facing lawsuits, Justice Justice Department investigations, and some criminal charges against real estate firms for conspiracy to fix prices. And there's been a lot of push from government regulators, plaintiffs throughout the years on this system. But due to lobbying power and heft and the power of the NAR, they've kept these commissions strong and high. In fact, commissions paid to buyer representatives rose 32% from 2013 to 2020, adjusted for inflation. And this is the opposite of what the trend has been in most industries over the past couple of decades. We know we were in a disinflationary environment up until the last couple of years. But technology had brought cheaper, lower fees to all types of 
services like travel agents, stockbrokers, but real estate agents were relatively immune. But it's clear the industry and the NAR specifically was not working in the best interest of its consumers. Now, in 2021, the Biden administration issued an executive order directing federal agencies to increase competition in the real estate industry. And the Justice Department has asked federal appeals courts to allow it to reopen its investigation. So this lawsuit is having wide ranging ramifications and is going to likely upset the entire industry. But to the benefit of the average consumer, the average home buyer and seller, frankly. Especially because maybe now there's more avenues for sellers to sell on their own without an agent. And NAR membership has already started to decline. January saw membership decline for the third straight month. And internal estimates are is that, is that uh, the projection is 8% decline this year. And frankly... It makes sense. More than 70% of real estate agents surveyed in mid-October. So they would leave the NAR if they could still view listing databases, the MLS. In a lot of markets, they have to be part of the NAR to, to view that. And so when you're looking at buying or selling a home, understand these changes. And you need to adjust and talk to whoever you're working with about it because frankly the those commission compression that you saw in the brokerage world the stock brokerage world that's now gone to zero guess what in many ways maybe not completely not tomorrow not next week not next month or next year but in the future i could easily see these commissions becoming extremely small now they're still going to have title costs and things, closing costs uh, for the transaction, because those, those things do take work. But with technology taking over, I think real estate agents and their value is going to continue to diminish along with their commissions. Now, we love taking your calls during our weekday live stream. And of course, we're always happy to take your invest talk questions anytime on our 24-7 voice bank at 888-99-CHART. So let's play one more. Hi, Invest Talk team. I was wondering what your take on Pfizer is. The dividend is pretty compelling at this price, and I'm wondering if you see more pain on the horizon or possibly a dividend cut. I'd like to take a position in at these prices, but I just don't know what the future is, and I'm curious how strong their balance sheet is. Thanks. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Kramer, but this is the type time I, I want to have a big red button that says "Don't chase yield." You know, you had that just recent caller about the tiny bank that has a six plus percent dividend yield. Now we're talking about Pfizer, the six plus percent dividend yield. But both these stocks are headed lower and lower and lower. And if you look at earnings estimates, they are struggling. And you know, I've been saying don't buy Pfizer for a while, and it continues to go. Down. It peaked around $60 per share in late 2021, and now it's at $27 per share. Why? Because the vaccine was a flash in the pan. A bunch of people got it initially, 
And not a lot of people are getting the booster because the data just isn't there. They don't see the risk versus reward. And that's why last quarter revenues were down 41% year over year and earnings are down 90% year over year. And going into the pandemic, their business was struggling. They made $2.92 in 2018 and $1.91 in 2019. So the, the lack of strength in their business is reemerging. And that's why their stock continues to plumb the new lows. And they have a lot of debt, $71 billion in debt on their balance sheet. Despite that fantastic boon that that the vaccine was, they didn't allocate that capital very well. In fact, they've added more debt. And the technicals are horrendous. Their free cash flow has gone from a peak uh, March of 2022, the first quarter of 2022, of nearly 32 billion, down to under 5 billion. And going into the pandemic, they were doing about 12 billion in free cash flow. So this is going down for a reason. And the reason is not good. And the dividend, 6%, 6 dividend. The payout ratio, 436%. Cash dividend payout ratio, 192%. I mean, they're paying out twice as much cash in a dividend as they're bringing in. That is a recipe for a dividend cut. And that's what the market is telling you. So, once again, don't chase the yield. Chase good businesses. And this is a business that is headed down along with that dividend. Let's keep things moving and play two in a row from 888.99 chart. Uh, hi, Steve, Justin, and now Luke. Uh, this is Jay from Salt Lake City. I have a question. So the company I work for, they use Fidelity out of their 401k program. And a lot of people use their active management or whatever. And I know that they're fiduciaries, but they're also broker-dealers. And what I was kind of wondering is what your guys' thoughts are. Um, I know, for example, you guys do research on companies and sectors, but I don't see them doing that. Could you either touch on what they do or maybe what questions to ask them? I would appreciate it. Thanks again. And have a great show. Well, you have a great show. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for that. Well, Fidelity is just your 401k provider. I'm not sure what active management they offer there. Uh, you know, Fidelity is a large organization. It, it could just be a record keeper. And there might be another company that is doing the active management. Uh, I know we are working on actually bringing 401k management to our clients and listeners. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, I, I need a little more detail here to give you a sense of whether that's good or bad. Know that most, if it's just Fidelity, they're going to be ones that Wearing both hats, right? They're fidu they could be acting as fiduciary at some points and a broker dealer and others. And, and a lot of people get advisors confused with their broker. For example, we use Schwab as our broker, but we're not Schwab. We utilize Schwab. Our client accounts are set up for Schwab. You always want a third party a third party custodian holding the assets whenever you're dealing with a an advisor. And we are fiduciaries, 
but Schwab is the broker dealer. So you may be talking to a fiduciary, I don't know, that's using Fidelity as the record keeper and the custodian of the assets. So that's why I need a little more data. If you want to shoot me an email or give me a call, uh, I certainly can try to get the re the requisite information needed to give you a better answer. So please do that. Go to investtalk.com and click on the contact us button and send me a message. Now the first quarter feels like it's moving pretty fast, right? We're pretty much two months into the year. And these are interesting times. You're seeing pretty extensive market euphoria right now. Kind of the, the pendulum swing. I always say that pendulum swings between peak euphoria and panic. Kind of the opposite of what's happening now in the fall of 2022. I was kind of calling that out back then saying, hey, getting a lot of people are worried and think the, the world's going to fall apart tomorrow. And usually that is peak sentiment, the downside. Now it is the opposite. It's peak euphoria. Everyone's trying to chase these big tech names. Uh, and, you know, the big question is, are you prepared for that pendulum to go back the other way? It always does, right? Don't know the exact peak, but you can kind of tell generally, right? This is the general peak right now. Go a little higher, maybe stay up here for a little while, but euphoria is pretty extreme. So the question is, do you need a second opinion under, helping you understand where you're at? What your allocation truly is to different sectors, different style factors, your growth, or your value, or your small, or your large? Well, if you do, head over to our website, investtalk.com, click on the portfolio review button on the top right-hand part of the screen. And fill that out. We'll get back to you. We can set up a complimentary portfolio review and go over your position, see where it is at compared to your risk tolerance level and your goals. Now let's squeeze in one more question now. I just had a question about Pool Corp, ticker P-O-O-L. I'm wondering what your guys' thoughts are. And I was just wondering if this is a good time to buy or if you guys can recommend a good price point or what your thoughts were. Thanks. Happy day. Bye. All right, looking at Pool, P-O-O-L, they operate 420 pool equipment and supply centers in North and South America and in Europe, okay? $15 billion market cap. And this is a very good business. Return on equity, right around 40%. Now that's down from its peak around 88% in 2018. So that has trended lower, but it's still very profitable. Very little debt in its balance sheet. Free cash flow around $800 million on a $15 billion market cap. It's pretty decent. It's about a 5.5% free cash flow yield. That's solid. The issue, though, is that their business is slowing down. Last quarter, revenues were down 8% year-over-year. Earnings down 27% year-over-year. And it's still trading at a pretty hefty multiple. Enterprise value to EBIT is around around 21 but it's certainly more in line than it was just a couple of years ago because it peaked out at $575 per share. Now it's at right around a little under 400. The technicals are good. So near term, I think it's fine. 
And it's a very good business. I like that there's no debt. Just a little too expensive for me. So it just depends. You know, do you want to just get in a good business at a, an okay price? Or do you want to be patient? I'd probably be a little more patient. But near term, I think uh, it's probably higher. Running to our final break. So give me a call now at 888-99-SHARP. No two portfolios are alike, and every investor has a unique set of circumstances. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Now attention InvestTalk listeners, we have a special and fun surprise coming up. We'll give you details this Friday, March 1st, and the keyword here is fun. So this is something you won't want to miss and be ready for the big reveal this Friday. And guess what? You'll be able to win a nice slice of, of cash potentially. So let your friends know and make sure to tune in this Friday. Now let's play one more question from 888 chart Hey, good afternoon. This is Zach calling from Kentucky. Uh, wanting to get your thoughts on Boston Beer Company, ticker symbol SAM, S-A-M. I love their products, but their stock has been an absolute dog lately. Latest earnings left a lot to be desired, and I believe I saw where their CEO is also on the exit ramp. Just curious at what point you would consider picking some shares up. Uh, I think they'll eventually recover and would be looking to hold long term, but also don't want to catch a falling knife. Thanks for your insight, and I'll listen for your answer on the podcast. Have a good day. Are looking at Boston Beer Company. SAM is the symbol. And for everyone out there, they have a bunch of very popular brands Sam Adams, Angry Orchard, Twisted Tea, and a brand that's really launched their earnings higher over the past five, six years or so. And that is truly, truly hard seltzer. Seltzer has become uh, very popular, gluten free, uh, healthier version of, of beer. And more people are buying in. That's why they earned seven dollars and twenty-one cents last year, up from six ninety-seven the the the, the uh, year before. But they earned fourteen dollars and sixty-eight cents in twenty twenty when everyone was home drinking, right? Had a lot of money to spend, etc. So they crushed it then. But they're not supposed to make. They're not supposed to go back to that level of earnings until beyond next year. Because this year is supposed to be 988 and 1373 next year, but those estimates are coming down as well. And just they just had earnings, and those didn't look too hot, uh, especially because Seltzer continues to be weak and they continue to lose market share. And so, frankly, I still wouldn't touch it. You know, if you look at its cash flow, free cash flow, 138 million, trailing 12 months. Compared to a market cap of three billion, three point eight billion, excuse me, nearly four, so not a very strong free cash flow yield. Enterprise value to EBITDA is still around twenty, and a business that continues to struggle. So, I would need this to be, frankly, closer to. Let me give you a, a price on this. Two hundred five, right around two hundred. I think that's uh, an area that would be interesting to me. From a technical perspective, it's been consolidating here in the high 200s, low 300s for uh, a while now, basically since mid-2022. And it looks ready to take that next leg lower. So I would be very patient on Sam 
or Boston Beer, S-A-M. Now, lastly, let's touch on CEOs and their plans to raise prices. And this is a survey from CEO Magazine. And they surveyed 239 CEOs in January and their plans to hike prices. And the portion of CEOs planning to increase prices in 2024 compared to 2023 is down 4%, 78%. So still a relatively high number. And it's pretty consistent among industries and sizes, but it's the magnitude of those increases that's really changing. In 2023, actually the majority of CEOs surveyed will keep prices increase concentrated between 0.1 and 4.9%. That's 58%, okay? That figure last year was 39%. So you're saying that's higher, but it's down from those that are increasing prices dramatically. In January of last year, 42% of CEOs said they would raise their prices at least 5%. This year, only 20% are going to raise more than 5%. So they're still raising prices, but at a much slower pace this year. So it kind of confirms the fact that, hey, inflation will continue to moderate for most of 2024, although potential for resurgence, I think, in the back half. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. We thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes as well. And by the way, we've now surpassed 58 million downloads thanks to you. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, It's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.